Hello and welcome to another instalment of our very special Rock Sound Awards powered by emp.co.uk. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine and the host of our weekly Friday podcast. Oh man, we've been so, so excited to get this off the ground. We've been teasing it across the socials on our normal podcast, all sorts of stuff. It feels so huge to be able to be doing this. So before we do anything else, in case you don't know, head to awards.rocksound.tv right now to pick up your Rock Sound Awards bundle featuring all 10 of our Rock Sound Awards winners across 10 individual limited edition super amazing covers. Also featuring exclusive interviews, photos with our winners, posters of their Rock Sound Awards cover shoots, 2018 calendar, Rock Sound Awards sticker, the top 50 releases of 2017. So, so much to get involved with. So excited. Brilliant stuff. The Rock Sound Awards powered by emp.co.uk. Awards.rocksound.tv right now. Pick up your bundles right now. But now it's time for another feature length chat with another one of our very special winners. So today... We speak to our best British breakthrough Rock Sound Award winners. So this couldn't have gone to a more deserving band. This band had a crazy 2017. They've transformed from the visceral punk shows of their self-titled EP right through to their debut album, Eternity in Your Arms, which hit the UK Top 20 this year. Man, you've guessed who it is already. It's Creeper. We caught up with Will Gould to chat everything 2017. It turned into an amazing nearly 40-minute chat about everything to do with the band's year absolutely insane so let's go this is will gould from our best british breakthrough rock sound award winners creeper let's do it i'd like to present to you the rock sound best british breakthrough award for 2017 i mean obviously eternity in your arms has been amazing it's been a absolutely incredible era for creeper and uh we want to recognize that so um how does it feel to have won the award it's wonderful. Thank you very much. It's uh, winning awards is never something that we ever realized we ever thought we would do, you know. So it's uh, we kind of started this band just for fun at first, and it's taken over our whole lives. It's uh, such a lovely feeling to be recognized by a magazine uh, that we've uh, grown up reading and um, by people that we respect. It's really nice to uh, it's lovely to have some recognition. It's great. So we're uh, we're very very grateful and humbled to receive this award. Oh, amazing. My absolute pleasure. I mean, um, so yeah, I'd just like to kind of talk about the year as a whole, really, and just um, get a sense of how it's been across the board. Um, so let's let's take it back to this time a year ago. So uh, the level of hype coming into 2017 was massive. I mean, A Turn in Your Arms was done by the end of the year. Um, you were already releasing singles, obviously, of Suzanne and, and Hiding With Boys, and like they were all coming out to a really positive reaction. Was there a massive amount of nerves, especially off of how well The Stranger had done? I think um, those sorts of things have become a little bit more of a pressure. Uh, this, you know, at this point, um, but it's uh, at the time. I always find the best thing to do when you're uh, doing anything creative um, is to try and remove any sort of expectation or any sort of um, pressure uh, from it completely, and just make something that you think is good and that you believe in, and that you would, uh, you know, to try and be the thing that you'd like to see in the world. I guess and. Um, so we were very confident in what we'd made, um, and uh, you know, if it, like if it failed, then um, that would have been absolutely fine as well. I think that that's the magic of making something you're proud of and making it something for yourself first and foremost. Is that you never really, you never spend much time thinking about other people, which is it's kind of selfish, but <laughs> it's also uh, absolutely the right thing to do. I think. 
Awesome. Yeah, because uh, obviously last time we spoke, you know, I, I saw you uh, when The Stranger was released, you know, at the Underworld show and like that whole cycle was was amazing. And it felt like there was so much buzz around it and there was so much happening and, you know, it, there was no one else like that who sounded like you guys and it was so exciting. Um, and then, as I say, you know, Suzanne dropped this really positive response and then as we went towards Christmas, hiding with boys was the same. Um, were there any points where it, it almost got overwhelming? In fact, that like it was so, there was so much going on and so much kind of, excitement was it just did, did you just feed off that and were, were you guys just excited like you say you were super confident with the album or, or were, was it overwhelming at any point yeah it, it was around that sort of time that like um, you know, I, we started getting recognised out quite a lot and, so, um, and that made things kind of weird you know like uh, someone taking a picture of you trying to do it like secretly as you're in a <laughs> shop you know just you doing normal things so stuff like that was really weird and um, because I think like things are kind of hit a fever pitch around that, that campaign and what was very exciting for us really was like uh, that all of the ideas that we'd had uh, seemed to kind of be working out um, because it could have gone a number of different ways you know um, it was uh, like the, the, the campaign itself with the, the missing campaign and uh, that lead up to these, things, these videos people had to work these things but we weren't telling them to tune into the box show at that time um, there was a, a hangman puzzle that they had to solve that, that would leave them there and, um, so there was a, plenty of um, there's a million ways things could, could have gone awry, you know? Um, and, and especially like Suzanne and Hiding With Boys, they're like, there were certainly more like bombastic sounds on those two songs that we released uh, and in, in, in kind of um, comparison to what we'd done before. So uh, it, was, it was nice that um, people took the plunge of us and, um, and, uh, and kind of embraced the new ideas we had. Everyone, I feel like the people who know us and like know our band um, were expecting us to do something different, but... Um, we tried to do something like that would be a significant, like bold step forwards. And that's what we're trying to do every time. You know, we tried to do that with the EPs as well, but yeah, it can get, um, it can make you kind of, uh, feel a little bit overwhelmed when, uh, something's done so well and you're suddenly in this position. But I think we try to remember that everything's temporary and everything's, uh, for the moment. And if you try to make one moment last forever, well, that's just impossible, isn't it? So uh, we we, uh, we needed to try and move on to the next thing. I'm um, always thinking like uh, you know five or ten steps ahead of uh, of the, the the move we're currently on. I think that's kind of uh, the aim of the game of Creeper. But makes it very difficult to kind of worry about how this thing you're about to release is going to go when you've already got your mindset on the next one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, definitely. But yeah, because I say last time we spoke, we had a, we had a chat a lot about um, you know not wanting to do the same thing twice and things like that. And and with that in mind, and the fact that you know you you, you were taking a plunge, and there were a lot of different things for Creeper on the album. Um, was there a real creative verve in that sense in the studio? You know, I mean, like we touched on "I Choose to Live" and "Crickets" last time we chatted, and you know, especially um, based on the fact that you, you you know, like you say, you you never want to do the same thing twice, and you've always got your sights on the next thing. I mean, how was the studio atmosphere with, with Eternity? Like, was it? Did you did you kind of know that you know? what you had on your hands was was something altogether very different to anything else out there um i knew that we were um it was a very stressful environment the whole time it was very stressful i remember because we decided to do it in secret uh in between touring so that we wouldn't tell the audience so we didn't take a break in our tour cycle so that um to just go to, in, in the conventional way you would to go away and write a record we were just kind of using the weeks in between tours to go in and record parts and um do, do things and I remember, uh, we're like, I think Creeper, um, inherently a quite difficult group to work with, uh, 
from um, and I always really admire our, our record label and um, our manager and, and our booking agent and people like that who put up with us because we are a fucking nightmare like a, not in like a diverse way at all we're not like that it's just that for example they were asking us for demos uh, around this um, around we, we were on tour with um, we were, who were we on tour with I can't, I can't quite recall we were, we were supposed to write these demos around this time um, for the album uh, and we didn't write anything at all um, because we were just, uh, there was loads of things going on we'd Hannah and Ollie had just joined and uh, we were supposed to be demoing Good To Go Up To The Album. We didn't do anything. Then me and Ian wrote three hardcore songs and sent them. <laughs> we were trying to flesh out this, this record. And, and the way we do it is uh, we'll have a whiteboard and we'll have like a bunch of different um, types of song we want to write. And, and the order, the structure is very important to us. So we, we wrote this just the hardcore songs. We bashed those out. And then so the first uh, demos... Um, that Warner heard of for this album all sounded like fast hardcore punk songs. And they had, like, were freaking out about that. Then we sent them a country song. <laughs> so, and they're like, uh, it was initially quite difficult to um, for them to take in. And, and I remember really vividly playing it to a publisher. Um, it was a nightmare because we kind of blocked everyone out of the studio as well. Um, like um, people from the label were interested in uh, hearing stuff and and. and we decided that was a bad idea, stupidly really. It was really, um, we just decided just to, to block ourselves in and do our own thing. We knew Neil and um, very well. Obviously he's recorded all of our stuff, uh, he, Neil Kennedy. And so we just kind of, it was very isolated. We were just inside doing this, making this weird, this weird record. And the publisher came in one day to hear it and he heard it in its very earliest form, which was this kind of like, it was almost like an hour long kind of opus that had, uh, <laughs> had like a, um, had an intro song uh, on it that uh, sounded a bit like Five Years, that David Bowie song. Um, and uh, I love that song that we did as well, but we had to lose it. We just, the record was so overweighted. Um, and so it had this kind of, this, this, this really strange intro that had all this stuff about, um, about um, drinking the, the Kool-Aid of, uh, of age. It was, all, it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous thing we had at the beginning. And then we had like, another song that um, sounded like Go West by the Picture Boys. And um, we had, uh, it had a 50s Elvis Presley middle section as well. It was really cool. That wow. bit. And we had all this stuff. We had, we had this song that, that Hannah just picked organ on. That was just, uh, it was uh, just an organ. <laughs> an organ. <laughs> organ. There was no vocals on it. It was just organ. And, and I remember him sitting there and then it went into like it had all these transitions there was another song where Ian had put like the thunder claps in, instead of the drums on <laughs> and so he had this he had this huge thing um, from um, you know we were like uh, trying to uh, trying to aim for the rafters but the thing was we were always going to trim it back at some point and make it more um, make it tidier but uh, I remember him hearing that whole record in, like in its earliest form and just being sat there, like, I think he went through like a few different cups of tea. You know, like when you normally show someone um, like how a record sounds, let us have a drink and listen to it. It was like getting through it, you know, <laughs> it was just heavy. And it was a heavy thing to do. Like, I think um, on paper, uh, what a lot of people would have liked Creeper to have done um, is just become like a, a spooky pop punk band. Like to be involved in that pop punk scene and just do some spooky songs. and. Unfortunately, we were never going to do that. That was just never something that was, it, you know, there's elements of that in our sound. But, um, so I think, it, like, you know, to some people who were expecting us just to, to write something different, um, they, they got something completely else. And, and you know what? Like, I remember um, someone from the label saying that it was one of the best um, reviewed records that ever worked uh, in the wow. end. So I was, like, really proud of that because 
it kind of showed that um that you know if, if they kind of kept with us we were going to make it was all going to be okay you know like <laughs> and it kind of gives us faith in us in the future the next time we do something <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing it's a crazy story i mean did did any of those original songs you were telling about did any of them survive i mean are they things that that could end up becoming future creeper songs or are they all scrapped we had them all recorded they're all they're somewhere i've been talking for a long time about doing um a director's cut of the record and, and they're turning it to its original form um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't know how, how, uh, if that's going to happen or not. I have no idea, but, uh, I keep keeping it up all the time. Cause I think it will be really fun to have that out there in the world, you know? Yeah. And the way it originally was, uh, it was, it was a difficult thing to listen to though. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we went on tour with, with, um, with pop punk bands all the time. And suddenly there's this fucking opus. It's a hard thing to pick up at the merch table and take home and digest, I think, <laughs> at times, despite how poppy the record is, I guess. Um, so um, I don't know. I, I very much doubt that we'll use those songs um, for anything other than a, uh, a re-release at some point, if we, ever did, if we ever got a chance to do that. I know the band would like that. Um, because... These they represent an era and a time of the band, you know. This is uh, we'll never write the same thing again. Um, and these are Callous Heart songs, really. So it's um, it, you know, it's, it's a whole era of the band that uh, they're associated with. Amazing. That that's so exciting. I I, I mean, in in terms of the album itself as well, obviously it, it hit the UK top twenty, which is a a massive achievement for a debut and just in general, absolutely amazing. Do you know, we would we would have been top ten if it wasn't on Father's Day. Oh no! <laughs> not, it was Father's Day. Yeah, <laughs> no like uh, this is what everyone always says to us. We would have been top ten if it wasn't Father's Day. Oh. And so it sucks. Um, you know, there there's there's been uh, records that have been number one recently that have sold uh, only slightly over what we did. Uh, I, I was very, I'm still very, very proud though. I never, ever thought in a million years that um, one of our projects would be like kind of accepted like that by like a, by uh, the mainstream, I guess, and, and enter some sort of official chart like that. Like it, it's, um, it was a huge accomplishment for us, you know? Um, and we, 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 that was something we were really proud of. It's the sort of thing you can say to your dad about, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was on the chart, you know, actually in the chart. Like, and, and that was really cool. Amazing, yeah. No, I remember when um, the week came out, when all the, the vinyl literally sold out across the country and all the record stores. I was like, man, this is this is insane. And I, I mean, as well with the with the tour around that as well. You know, we chatted a little bit about this last time, but it it felt like a real watershed moment for the band as well. In that, you know, it was kind of um, it, there was still that kind of visceral punk edge to it, but it felt very grand and theatrical as well. And it felt like the real kind of meeting of the two kind of like main worlds of Creeper. Like, does that represent where you guys? were in 2017 obviously you know i'm sure you're going to go on to metamorphose again but does that kind of does that tour in particular kind of was that a real watershed moment did it kind of really uh represent where you guys were post eternity in your arms being recorded i think it was like a, the, the step into um the sort of uh thing that we had envisioned like when we we now we hadn't envisioned it originally because we never thought we'd play anything but the joiners in southampton um but every time we've been given a little bit of rope, we've always tried to do something special with it, you know. Um, so the more the more uh, we've been allowed to do in the bigger rooms that, that people have met, sort of sold out for us, the more of a show we want to put on, you know, and, and the, the, to make it uh, unique and special and something that's worth going outside for. Um, so, yeah, like I think it really did represent that. But, you know, you have to bear in mind as well that the tour we did just before um, – that headline tour is one of my one of my favorite tours. This was for the headline tour where uh, we were on tour of water parks in the United States, 
And um, it hasn't been documented very well, that tour, but it's, it's probably my favorite tour we've ever done. Um, cause, uh, we needed, we were out in America and, um, we were in a, a converted party bus driving around that our friend Dirk had sorted us out. He'd, we borrowed all this gear We had like the bled space cab and like, uh, Hannah had a keyboard that didn't have a sustain pedal. <laughs> I get like a DJ sitting on it. And um, we're just buying all this gear. And inside the van, the, that bus, there were loads of weapons for some reason. Like it was his brother's bus. There was like a, um, there was like a, like a bow and arrow. There was a nightstick. There was like a machete. There was all this stuff That's in there. Hell. And we got pulled over by the cops a lot of times. And we were sleeping next to each other. Hannah was sleeping on the parcel shelf. She called it a princess bunk. And, um, <laughs> The, the bus broke down like, because it was, wasn't suitable for touring and traveling across the country. It broke down like a million times. We had to get pulled out of this onion field by a, by a farmer, this Mexican farmer, came and saved us. And we were all really happy. And um, the, the, um, the, mirror, the, the uh, window above the parcel shelf smashed one night and just showered Sean with glass all in his eyes. And then um, there was a blizzard and all the, and all the water came in through the window. And broke Ollie's phone, and uh, and then at the end, uh, a hornet's nest. Just some hornets just like nested in that in that little parcel shelf that they got in while we were doing the show. But like that was one of my favourite tours. It was um, so the tours following that was was this big production. This really you know the first step into like our grand production. We had our own bus. We had, you know we've you know there's this kind of a, the flip side of things. But uh, as much as uh, the um, the headline tour was absolutely a watershed moment for me and for the, for the band. Um, there's still like a really uh, chaotic and exciting part of the band that uh, you know often doesn't goes a little unnoticed. Uh, but it, 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 that was that was it. it was literally, it's like the two sides of the coin, and um, I love them both quite dearly. You know, <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, because because with that in mind as well, like you say, you guys can kind of um, it's almost like you can fit into so many different things. You know, like you say, there's that kind of like more sort of crazy side to the band, like with the, with the tour with Water Parks, and then the grander tour with the, which is the headline tour, uh, and that obviously carries over into your sound as well. In that you know we've chatted about the album being so eclectic and being there's so many different styles and influences on there. Um, do you think that that kind of ties into? And I think that's definitely continuing with it as you expand the Creeper sound. I mean. Do you think that ties in with being able to tour with bands like, you know, Water Parks and as it is, as much as you can tour with bands like Can't Swim and Milk Teeth? And do you think you guys have found such an eclectic style that, you know, you can put your feet in so many different worlds? I mean, does it feel like that being inside the band? It feels, um, I think that the thing we've always wanted to do with Creeper was like a freedom to be able to do whatever we felt was necessary for the, for the band, you know? And what I was talking to you about earlier on when... Um, I know it sounds like just a, a thing I'm saying, but like we, we, we don't ever do anything with an audience in mind uh, in terms of like what we're creating. Uh, we're trying to serve ourselves a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, like going into uh, the, the songwriting, I always wanted people to become like this rock band that you'd, the only thing you'd expect is us to mix it up. You know, like a, you, you want, you'd kind of expect them expected a little bit. I remember, um, listening to, to Fleetwood Mac and, um, and listening to rumors uh, around the time of the album and uh, thinking how it was really cool how Fleetwood Mac was almost like a collective rather than just like, a, there was, wasn't just one voice of Fleetwood Mac, there was, there was many voices. There was, wasn't just one sound, there was a few different things going on and, over the years. And um, I remember thinking that would be a really nice thing to be, like uh, 
And also, I think that some of that comes from uh, my attention span is just so so short. <laughs> so, uh, like, there will be a, something happening in the UK, and we'll be so far behind on what's going on in terms of what's cool or something like with bands. Um, and if we are into something, it tends to be like really intensely for a minute, and then not not at all again. And um, so, yeah, like I think mixing it up makes it fun to play, makes it keeps it remaining interesting. I think if I had to write VCR every like uh, a million times over and have a career out of making music just like that, I think I'd um, I think I'd just stop doing it, <laughs> stop being in a band because it's not it's not fun fun for me. It's not challenging. There's no um, it doesn't seem very artistic. Um, yeah, I feel like um, it's an absolute. Uh, it is of the most importance that we keep challenging and changing and, and being able to fit on different bills and, and uh, play with the, the the different types of bands you get to play with is, is mad, you know? Um, I remember in one year we played with like Frank Carter and Moose Blood and um, we toured Bayside and we did just, just doing all these different types of alternative tours. And um, I, w- I remember feeling very lucky to be in a band that would be considered for that. Um, you know, it's it's crazy to be uh, to be wanted on things, you know, and to... to, to uh, to to be a band that people uh, like put up, like people put up with us being like really ridiculous and theatrical and you know because um, they, they you know they they haven't seen it for a while or they want they want us to play with their band and they sound nothing like us but like it kind of fits somehow it's uh, it's a really, it's a really nice feeling I think we're very lucky with that I don't um, again it, that wasn't very a very conscious thing it wasn't like um, let's do a lot of different things so we can so we can play with all these different artists it was. Uh, it's just worked out perfect. And I hope we can just continue to do that because uh, I'd love to tour with, um, you know, uh, some more of the, uh, some, some more mainstream indie stuff. I'd love to tour with some hardcore bands. I'd love to do everything and um, everything and anything, I guess. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because I remember last time as well, like you said, that um, one of the things with Creeper is that it's hard for you to pin down exactly what Creeper is. And I mean, like, is that quite a positive thing then in that, you know, you're saying that it's a very organic thing, a very natural thing that, you know, you've got such an eclectic style. Um, will that very much determine how you go forward as a band? Like you say, I mean, we kind of touched on the potential of future Creeper material last time we spoke as well. You were saying that, you know, it's likely that it won't sound anything like you've done before. Is, is that very much how you think it's going to go yeah I think um, I don't know like it's difficult to say like at the moment it's difficult to say if we'll even do another record you know um, it's trying to to make sure that everything makes sense everything's got to got to make sense and uh, it's hard, kind of hard to explain like uh, like um, it's not as easy as like going into a studio and just writing songs for it you know yeah um, it's got to have the whole thing's got to have like a kind of kind of synchronize and 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 uh, and feel worthwhile. Obviously, people want us to write another record at the moment. Um, but like, and, and you know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to say that we will. But um, it's uncertain at this point uh, what we'll do. Um, but if we did do something else, it would definitely, definitely, definitely be different. It would. Um, we wouldn't stand still. It would. Uh, I think the band would die on the day that it stands still. Um, and I'd much rather us be able to to hang up the boots rather than. Um, uh, like, like and with like uh, our creative integrity intact, r- rather than like start rehashing old things because we need to pay some bills, you know. 
Yeah, for sure, man. I, I wholly respect that as well. I, I mean, you know, you had Warp Tour as well this summer. Um, how was that? I mean, because that can be notoriously difficult, especially for British bands trying to break the states and things like that. How was it for Creeper? Was it was it a good experience? Was it very? Did you learn a lot? Was it a great experience? Or were there some quite tough times as well? Warp Tour is uh, it's a different beast entirely, and America is something that we're. Uh, it's still very early for us, you know. Um, we have only toured America a few times, and it's always been on one coast. Um, so this is the first full U.S. tour we ever did uh, with, with the band. Um, it was two months long, 56 days, I think, in total. And um, it uh, it was very, very... Uh, it was it, like the first month, I was like... I kept saying to everybody, everyone is, just, you know... Uh, being a baby about this, like this is fine. I don't understand what everyone's problem is with the uh, with the walk tour. Um, this is just like touring, you know. It's fine, whatever. And um, then the second month kicked kicked in, and uh, I, I definitely struggled uh, on, on the second month um, personally. The others absolutely loved it. They were um, like Sean was Mr. Walk Tour. Sean's whole life, he just wanted to be on. He usually watched walk roadies and. Like Sean's the type of guy who'll go to a gig on his own. He just loves stuff. He just loves like the country and, and meeting other people and other punks and stuff and being involved in that. So, Waterfall's always been his dream. He he would lo- unload the truck with the guys every day uh, when he were working there. Um, he'd be up before everyone else, sorting all that stuff out. And it was um, it was amazing. It was really really impressive uh, to see that. And the other guys really really did very well. Um, like uh, Hannah's uh, boyfriend, Pals, who was the drum tech from the Deep, he was out there, so he stayed on our bus a few times, and we were in this little bang wagon, which was really fun. Uh, but the, the the difficulty came for me, I think, where um, on days where you don't want to see anybody, um, uh, which is a really hard thing to talk about, but I think it's becoming like a lot more of a topic that uh, is kind of, um, people are discussing, I guess, that you have days, some days, where you don't want to see anybody, when and you're, you're part of a, uh, a touring package, where... Um, you're part of a touring package where everyone knows everyone and there's a huge number of you every day. It's, uh, it's difficult. And, um, just some days I would, uh, wake up, we'd be playing, um, super early. And like some, like sleeping was really hard on the, on the bandwagon. I was in the top bunk uh, because normally I can sleep anywhere and the other guys didn't want to go up there, but I did. And, um, I found it really difficult to sleep. So I started taking sleeping tablets every day and getting really drunk, taking sleeping tablets and going to sleep. And um, so when I'd wake up and we find out we were on first that day, because it's random every day, you know, like some days we find out we were on first. And um, in that situation, I had to get up, shave my face, uh, sort my hair out, and I was wearing all this purple paint. I had to paint my face. And then by the time I'd walked to the stage, all the purple paint had come off anyway. It was so hot. And then um, I was having to be in front on stage immediately, which which is fine because I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of that situation. I know, you know, how you have um I can do the show, you know, in a lot of different headspaces. Um, but, like, it's difficult afterwards coming down and having to meet loads of those people, which is great. I like doing that too, but it's not as easy as... So I, I found the whole... Um, I was struggling a little bit on the second month, and uh, I had a really fun time, though, all the same, and I made some friends that I speak to all the time, even now. Um, uh, so it's, it's a... You know, it's, it's a really... It, it, everything I think you've heard about Waltz is probably true. It's just a... It's challenging and it's fun and you get to see some of your favorite bands every day. It's great. It's really, really good for that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can completely understand that. I mean, 
On the flip side of that as well, I mean, I saw you guys at Download this year, um, and that really felt like a potentially legendary moment for that festival. I mean, I remember, you know, it was just like it, you could hear a pin drop. It was absolutely amazing. And that was just before Warped. Was that a real moment where you thought, you know, this band could potentially go years and years into the future? Did it feel like that for you as a band? I, we were, um, well, the download thing was very strange because um, not many people know this either, but uh, we, uh, out on the site, we were on the second on the main stage and um, our guitar tech went out. We had an in-ear system uh, that we were, that we had, it was an in-house in-ear system at the, uh, the festival. Um, so our guitar tech went out and our drum tech went out and tested all our gear, but they couldn't play everything together because um, you, you can't have a sound check. Uh, so there was no way of knowing what was going to be in our in our mixes in our ears if everything was going to be loud enough or anything. So when we came out on stage, I only had bass and drums in my in my ears. That's all I could hear on the stage was bass and drums, and there was no way of uh, our set starts with Black Rain and it goes into uh, it goes straight into another song straight after that um, on that on, on that festival, and uh, it basically meant I had no gap where I could tell anybody that I couldn't hear what was going on. So I just had to sing and try and pitch through the bass. And uh, there was loads of timing things where the keys and Hannah, Hannah's vocal will cue me that I, I couldn't hear. So um, it was like terrible. The first two songs, was, uh, it was really like, it was uh, really hard to relax because uh, I was having to try and work overtime to try and make sure I knew what was going on with my ears. But um, it ended up being this really um, kind of poignant moment, I think. Um, it like I remember walking down the catwalk and... Um, I remember saying to Matt, our tech, before, um, Matt used to play in the band with Howard's Alias, uh, who I used to go see all the time going up, and um, he, he works with us now, and he's, so he's like a very uh, close friend of the band. He kind of looks after us a lot. And um, I was saying to him, I was like, it would be really cool to do some Freddy stuff, you know, down that catwalk, you know? And and then when I was there, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I don't know. <laughs> like, it seemed like so much bigger in real life. And I, I just had that whole problem with the in-ears as well, and um, so I didn't know quite what to do. And then I just remember thinking halfway through this, I was like, fuck it, like, you know, you've been coming to this festival since you were like, since 2001, and I, like, I've been going to the OzFest, you know. Um, this is, the, this is the, the moment, like, you, it's kind of, you know, fight or flight a little bit here. So, um, and I remember doing that and thinking that it was, um, it was just really bizarre. Like, I, it, for a second, like, it didn't, and nothing seemed daunting anymore, and I was closer to our audience, which is always, like the solidifier for us, they always kind of keep us going. Um, and it was like a really special moment. Uh, I don't really think, uh, I, I always, you know, I don't really think that people's, uh, a band that goes, well, this is going to, you know, this, this means that we can probably carry on for X amount of time. Uh, it's, it was more of a, like a, a thing where we were saying, Oh wow, this is a moment. Like, uh, we need to work out what the next moment is going to be. We need to try and, um, we need to try and, uh, make sure the next thing we do, is as special as this, you know? Um, so yeah, but like, I really felt like a lot of what made download special was, was the audience, you know, they were there. Um, and the people that have been there in the front row, you know, we were on early and they were there on, on the front row for us. And, um, I can't ever really thank people like that enough because if, um, if you've ever been on stage before, if you've ever uh, really hard on something, um, you know, and you know what it's like to, you know, how important that support is, you know, it's, uh, it was a really special thing. And I think the creeper were, were very, very lucky to have, uh, such a, such a crazy amount of support from people. So yeah, that certainly was a, a watershed moment for me. 
Amazing, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I remember say watching. I just, I remember looking round, and everyone was just, you know, transfixed on the stage. Like no one was like looking at the phone or chatting to each other. It was, it felt like the audience was so in tune with you guys. And like, as I say, misery. As I say, you could just hear a pin drop. It was an absolutely beautiful moment. I mean, with all that in mind, and like amazing, potentially legendary performances like that now under your belt. Um, we chatted last time about the theatre of fear. Again, something completely different, and you know, hugely mysterious. That is really testament to the fact that you guys really are like never doing the same thing twice in in terms of that finishing the year is that going to be a real kind of you know end of chapter moment for the band you think i think um i feel like the, the, in, in terms of this year it's been a, such a crazy year for the band we've been all over the world and um you know and we've uh, done all this crazy stuff this year and really really mad um and we just wanted to uh we wanted to try and see if we if we had the opportunity uh, to to up it again, like uh, with uh, with something of our own. We, we've been offered so many tours around that sort of time from other bands, like support tours, and we just um, we were really like banking on um, like we could do all these things. It's a really it's a really awesome that people even want us to do this stuff. Um, but like, wouldn't it be cooler to try? and up it again, you know, like try and go for the one-two punch here and um, try and finish the year on a high. When that first tour happened, it was just a days after the album came out. People only had the record in their, uh, you know, like in their lives for such a small amount of time. People have had it for a number of months now and they haven't had us in the country for, for a while. And so it's, um, it's incredibly exciting to finally uh, to attempt this uh, something something truly ambitious, you know? We always try and approach everything with ambition. People, like the, the people we've been working with on this tour, everyone was saying, this is, this is very ambitious. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping that um, the, the team of people we have around us, again, um, Creeper is a collective of people, uh, so not just a band, but like we have um, people who, like Jay Wennington, our photographer, he used to create a lot of things for us, not just photos, but graphics and all sorts of things over the year. Um, we have these incredible uh, production people that work with us, uh, have been with us now, that help make these ideas come into reality. It should be something, and I, and I really hope that, um, that uh, it, it, people appreciate the, uh, the intent behind it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, we shall see, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess then just to finish up, um, we've we've talked a lot about you know. It sounds like the future is very much unwritten in in, a, in the best possible way. In that you know, you could do like with the theatre of fear and like what you've done across the year. You could do this. The, the sky is the limit for what you could do with Creeper um, as we go into 2018. Does it feel like that for you? Does it feel like? Do you feel that you have literally like? an amazing amount of creative freedom and is, is that must be so exciting if so um yeah like as i said like I, we, we just wouldn't be the band if we couldn't do what we wanted um i think uh as the uh as things grow and things get bigger is it becomes harder there's like there are um you know when you reach these kind of milestones you know and i think every band has them you know over time i've seen you know Bands that uh, have been around a little longer than us uh, just do the underworld and, and hit these markers as well. And uh, I remember, I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, like that was such a moment for us, the the, the underworld." And and that, so you can't help but look forward a little bit and go, "Oh well, so what's what's what the next thing in the line of what in the grand scheme, the blueprint of a band? What should it be?" Um, but I actually feel like that is 
perhaps something that's uh, that works to your detriment, um, and that it's not um, it's not very productive. I think that what's what's more uh, what what's more beneficial for Creeper is that um, we can do anything. We shouldn't just be doing what other bands are doing all the time. We shouldn't just be oh, after we do uh, Shepard's Bush, we should do this one, we should do this, you know, like, it shouldn't always be like that. It should be, there should be a reason to come out and, and go to these things rather than just to see us in a bigger room. There should be a reason we're doing it every time. Everything needs context and uh, everything, uh, everything needs to be right. That's why I'm, I, when, I'm, when I talk to you about the record, Will, I, I'm uh, a new one. Uh, if, we did, if we did another record, I did a new record, uh, it would have to be right before we, I could say, I, I, you know, before we, agree to do it I think the whole thing has to fit together and there's so many moving parts with a creeper release um, and maybe that sounds a little pretentious but we always have been absolutely pretentious <laughs> <laughs> amazing That's, that could be a more perfect place to end Will uh, <laughs> I'd say man uh, our guitar tech Matt uh, like, uh, he, he's been Howard Alias we always call him um arrogant and unapproachable because <laughs> back when Howard Alias were a band on the Punkastic forums uh, people used to call him that all the time <laughs> arrogant and unapproachable and I always love it I think uh, sometimes the best uh, the best um, the, the best descriptions are the ones from your worst enemies I guess uh, but, uh, and it's funny because he knows that about himself he was like yeah I, I, I am arrogant and unapproachable <laughs> This is so mean, isn't it? <laughs> People are horrible, aren't they? Uh, yeah, no, I guess so, but uh, very funny if you though, yeah. If you haven't realised the worst qualities about yourself yet, you should try and start a band, someone will tell you. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so that was our very special chat with Will Gould from Creeper. Absolutely amazing. What a guy, what a band. You know, as you've just heard, that band have had an absolutely insane career and a particularly insane year. So to hear all the stories is just so, so fascinating. Really brilliant stuff. So before we go, head to awards.rocksound.tv right now to pick up your Rocksound Awards bundle. 10 limited edition individual covers featuring all 10 of our Rocksound Awards winners, featuring exclusive interviews, photos, posters of all 10 of our winners from their Roxanne Awards cover shoots, the 2018 calendar, Roxanne Awards sticker, the top 50 releases of 2017. So, so much going on. The Roxanne Awards powered by emp.co.uk. Pick up your bundles right now at awards.roxanne.tv. Tomorrow, we will be back again with another feature-length chat with another one of our very special winners. We will see you then. It's going to be good. Bye. <laughs>